everybody and welcome to Fresh Cuts. I am Mike and if you're listening to this episode, it's a little less fresh than usual because as I stated on the group post, I mixed up the movies we were doing. So um, I watched next episode's mo- movie um, before thinking we were doing that. Nobody cares. This episode. Say you fucked up and move along. So, <laughs> nope. Wow. It gets an explanation. Um, so yeah, we're going to be doing hatching and that is a finished film. And, uh, maybe I should intro everybody if you don't recognize all the voices already. So what's up venom? How are you? Greetings and salutations, brood parasites. Don't know what a brood parasite is. Just hold on. All will be explained. (laughs) I'm doing all right, Mike. How the hell are you? doing well on the first day of a four-day weekend so uh yeah it's uh setting myself up for some fun plans i had a half day. Uh, <laughs> nice yeah i mean mine kind of felt like a half day because i spent most of it actually doing errands and yard work and stuff so you know, <laughs> I played on still working just not for my employer <laughs> um all right uh also here don anelli what's up don how are you Kitos, eta otad minut vasan on Hainoa Ola Chala. What'd you call my mama? Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, hello, thank you for uh, having me on board. It's uh, always great to be here. So, uh, continuing the tradition, um, if you haven't already figured that out, uh, finish uh, greetings for everybody out there. So, hopefully that wasn't too bad. Uh, I'm only basing this off of a, a few Marduk and the Sethereal albums. So. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, all right. And then welcome back to the show, Derek. Uh, you've been on recently and uh, glad to have you coming back um, frequently now. So uh, welcome. Is that the Undertaker? It was. <laughs> God, I was like, Derek just find the WWF beings or something CD? <laughs> I had that uh, original WWF album or whatever it yeah, was. Yeah, I had it too. Shit. Uh, all right. I know. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, well, as stated, we are doing hatching, so I'll get to it with the synopsis off IMDb. A young gymnast who tries desperately to please her demanding mother, and what a mother it is, discovers a strange egg. She hides it and keeps it warm, but when it hatches, what emerges shocks them all. So, uh, Venom, did it shock you? What are your general thoughts on hatching? Oh, shocking might be a stretch, but yeah, I love this movie. I had a really good time with it. Um... I was I was thoroughly ready for a, a very slow burn, almost A24 style film where it was really going to be more of a character study. And then the finale would be the egg hatching. But I was so happy to be wrong about that. You know, we get the egg hatching early. We get to see the great creature effects, the multiple stages of the creature, which we'll discuss in the spoiler section. Um, some great performances by the entire family, this incredibly messed up family, which we'll, we'll expand on that as well. Um, you know, obviously they make themselves look like the perfect idyllic family on Instagram. But obviously, if you see Instagram videos like that, making it look like their lives are perfect, uh, you could probably bet money their lives are not perfect. I mean, social media is the great lie. So, um I love the score of this film. I thought the cinematography was beautiful. I, I love the set design here. This movie is so colorful, a lot of pastels and bright colors. And just, you know, the, the art design of both houses. And, you know, because, you know, we have one really nice looking house and then we've got one kind of crappy looking house that's a fixer upper. And I think there's a metaphor there as well, which we'll talk about in the spoiler section. But yeah, I, I really love this film. I've, I've watched it three times now, and I like it more and more every time I watch it. Absolutely love this creature design, and kudos for going with practical effects. Yeah, there's a little bit of CG in the movie. There's some effects that you can't possibly do practically, but the majority of this creature is practical, and it looks amazing. I absolutely love it. So yeah, hatching easily in my top five for 2022. Mic drop. Okay. That's a glowing endorsement there. So we will go next to Don. What did you think of Hatching? Um, so this will probably shock a lot of people out there who know me and my tastes. Um, I, I liked it more than I thought I would. Um, I, I, I do agree. I love the idea that uh, the creature is actually out and about uh, for the first half of the movie, or at least um, it's the first act stinger. Um you know, I, I, you know, also was anticipating, you know, some like artsy or, you know, a two four kind of film, you know, it's all about, you know, mood and atmosphere and metaphor. And then it's, you know, how much, how far is she willing to go to protect this thing? And, you know, what's going on, you know, between her and her family kind of a thing. So I'm actually kind of glad that it went more of a, a creature route uh, than it did, um, Again, the atmosphere is, uh, you know, kind of fun, um, especially once uh, things start ramping up in the second half, uh, you know, into the third act. Um, probably my favorite um, parts of the film, uh, you know, lots of uh, stuff going on, few decent, uh, you know, shock scenes. Uh, trying not to, you know, go too in-depth here with some of the stuff, but um, I, I really got to ask, who the hell called this a body horror? Because I could not find any of that anywhere in this movie. Um, unless she birthed the thing herself, I, I don't really understand where that term comes from. Uh, I will say that it's very incredibly loosely body horror, um, only because of the quote-unquote transformation that the hatchling goes yeah, through. Yeah, that's... I mean, it, it's, I, I agree with you. I wouldn't call this body horror. I would never call it body horror. But yeah. I can kind of see where it's coming from. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm saying is that if to me, if it was body horror, she would have hatched the egg herself. And Absolutely. I mean, yeah. <laughs> if it's, I, I mean, you know, that's not really much of a spoiler, but you know, I hear body horror. I think you know, Tetsuo the Iron Man, Machine Girl, you know, Meatball Machine, Videodrome, you know, Speed Trash stuff. American you know, Guinea Pig Sacrifice. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's kind of like you know, body horror to me. That that's kind of like where my mind goes. This kind of not really. Um, it kind of is almost to the point where um, I, to me, this is almost skirting the boundaries of horror to where I don't really think it is one. Uh, it, it's close enough. I'm not really going to argue with it. Unlike some of the other choices we've had on here, um, it's definitely close enough. Um, 
But yeah, that, I, I gotta say, what a cunt. <laughs> the mom? Yeah. Uh, the whole geez. family. Uh, I mean, the mom's probably the worst, but yeah, well, that fucking I, I, family I is. About, yeah, I, I stopped caring about the rest of the family when uh, they when she walked by them out of the dance recital. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I kind of stopped thinking that the family was uh, ever really going to be much of a factor, and I I kind of just focused on the mom. And I mean, Jesus, what a cunt. Uh, I I mean, it's kind of, uh, you know, a big uh, factor for me is, you know, we don't get um, a fully cathartic resolution to that angle. So it kind of drops a little for me. But overall, I I liked it more than I thought I would. Um, I I still am not uh, where Venom is on it, but um, better than I thought, kind of. If we were doing top 10 on the sh- films we've covered for the show, it's up there. But because I don't think it is a genre film, I don't know if I would have it on my list. But uh, because of the format that I'm doing where I'm basing my year into the year list on films covered on the show, it, it would probably be there. So um, hmm. not necessarily as glowing a recommendation, but um, I will say better than I thought it would be. And uh yeah, definitely worth a watch. I, I wouldn't necessarily go all the way in terms of uh, genre classification, but it's close enough. I'm not going to split ears over it. So, yeah, uh, pretty much where I stand on that. All right, Derek, where do you stand on the hatching? I really enjoy, well, I love Scandinavian movies in general. Like Even like, fin- I did a whole show with Finnish horror on um, the main show, you know, then I, I love Finland. I love Scandinavia in general. I like that area of movies like Sweden, Norway. And when I saw like, I actually did see the trailer for this. I'm like, man, this is going to be like the darkest version of Sesame Street. I wanted, <laughs> you know, but, uh, yeah. Uh, it's a very metaphorical film. When I, uh, the movies that, if you guys haven't seen these movies, the movies that I would kind of connect it with, in a way, is uh, the movie The Nightmare from a few years ago, the German movie. It, it kind of has a similar thing where the creature in that movie is connected to the main character, in a way, without spoiling too much of that movie, or this movie. And uh, it also has some hints of... This is going to be funny. I'm going to say this right now. Bad Milo. (laughs) (laughs) With the way that, you know, things go down at the end. Mm -hmm. Like the opposite. But that's a little too much into spoiler territory right now. Uh, Yeah, it kind of has, you know, it kind of has some hints of, like, Goodnight Mommy with, like, some of the stylistic choices of the film Lighten. Which I kind of like. It's it's a very colorful film. I agree with Venom. I I really enjoyed it. You know, it, it it's definitely a horror movie. There's fucking animal killings and shit in this movie. <laughs> Without giving too much spoilers right away. And uh, the creature effects, I was stunned and amazed at uh, the main creature of this movie. And it was fucking kind of disturbing to look at it at some point. And... Yeah, I dug it. I dug it a lot. I don't know if it would be my top ten because you know I've still got a, w- a lot to watch. <laughs> but you know, it, it, it's it's a contender. I really enjoyed it. Okay, cool. Um, as far as I go, I did like this movie quite a bit. Um, I, something that uh, Venom brought up where. You know, he was watching it and he was wondering, okay, is this going to be more A24 style, like psychological or, you know, pure metaphor with what's going on? It's funny because I kind of had that thought in the first 10, 15 minutes as well, because it's it's total runtime is under 90 minutes. And as the story is developing, like it's pretty unassuming at first of a mood, like just of a story like you get you pick up like obviously the mom being a, a very overbearing and uh and not so awesome uh mom in that regard and so it it kind of sets up like oh this is going to be like one of those terrible family movies and maybe everything that's going on 
um, later is just, uh, you know, metaphor for surviving that kind of like uh, fake facade of like a happy family on the outside, but not on the inside. And I think some of those elements do stick with the story throughout it. But um, once we once the egg, I guess, uh, is introduced to the movie, things start moving fairly quickly. It doesn't take long at all, as has already been mentioned, for it to hatch, for us to get the creature and for the ball to be rolling on. Um, what we figure out is actually going on here. It it ends up pretty actually straightforward. Um, yeah, I thought the creature. Yeah, I thought the, <laughs> oh god, yeah, I thought the creature feature or creature features creature effects <laughs> were well done. Uh, I do think creature features is a well done podcast as well. Uh, plug for you guys there, but creature <laughs> comforts get it right, yo. <laughs> I know creature comforts, um, but. Uh, what else was I going to say? Um, I mean, that might be it for general thoughts only because it's been covered between the three of you. I, I do agree. It's a rural setting, but I love the green in this movie. Like the way, you know, their yard is kept up. is just a lot of bright greens, a lot of yeah. uh, color contrast going on. It looks really pretty for, and for being like a smaller uh, scale movie, um, whoever, you know, was doing cinematography, good job on this. Um, I do like the journey of our main character, her kind of navigating this crazy, passive-aggressive, sometimes completely aggressive uh, family. And uh, kind of like the way it ends with almost like a what-do-we-do-now type thing is, uh, you know, I, I think some people won't like that, but I kind of found it to be fitting in this type of story. But, uh, yeah, I'm probably... Um, I don't know. I guess I'm closest to Venom, or maybe me and Derek are both there. But uh, yeah, I like this one a lot. So uh, yeah, I'm not saying I'm not close to Venom. It's just I I haven't watched this enough as you guys have this year yet to actually make a top ten list. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. For me, you know, not only is this like a top three movie as of right now for the year, this is probably my favorite movie poster of the year. Did you guys all see the poster? Yeah, I fucking love this poster. I love this poster. Even though that shot in the poster doesn't really appear in the movie, it's almost like a swerve. I absolutely adore that poster. It, it, it makes the movie look so much creepier than it actually is, you know, when you actually get in there and rather than just like a, a terrifying creature feature, we're getting like you know, lots of subtext and metaphors and things like that while still having a really awesome looking creature in the movie. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, I kind of had, I kind of have a feeling they were going for like the parallel of like kind of being raised and growing up in this family is scary too. Like, well, yeah, this family is playing evil. I mean, literally, oh. I mean, and the end of the movie just personifies the, just how evil this fucking family is. Um, for whatever it's worth, I am so glad that the ending I'm going to save that. Actually, I'm going to save that comment. That might be a little bit spoilery, but yeah. when we get to when we get to it, I'll make the comment because it's kind of a weird thing. There's there have been other movies that I've had this kind of um, connection to as well. Um, most recently, The Witch from 2015. So uh, and, and and hey, look at that. I'm comparing this movie to my favorite movie of the 2010s. So you know that that's that's got to be worth something. Imagine, you know, and I was having flashbacks to Miracle when Herb Burks was, Kurt Russell was making them go back and forth through the ice again, again, when she was, when she was having her do the pull thing over and over again. Right, right. Just your, you know, your standard uh, dominated, you know, um, dominating mother, domineering mother, I guess is the better word, helicopter parent, if you will. Um, you know, this is why I kind of talked about the two different houses in the movie where mom kind of spends her time and the, the dichotomy between those two. There, there's so much subtext in this movie. But ultimately, even if you don't do subtext, if you don't look for commentary, any kind of social commentary and just take the movie at face value, it is an incredibly solid creature feature. Probably my favorite creature feature in a couple of years. Um, I, nothing off the top of my head really jumps out at me. Uh, maybe the ritual, you know, from like three or four years ago. But yeah, I just I love this creature design. I love this story. I love the different stages of Allie. Allie is the is the uh, titular creature in the movie. Um, 
I just, wow. Yeah, let, let's get to the spoilers section, because th- there's so much to dissect here. All right. Yeah, let's do it. All right, folks, so that's your, that's your final spoiler warning. If you have not seen the film or don't care to see the film, uh, go ahead and stick with us. If not, go ahead and pause here. Go watch this amazing film and come back and join us for the walkthrough. This isn't going to be much of a walkthrough since there's four of us here. I don't want, you know, uh, too many people sitting around just, you know, waiting for a chance to talk. So first things first, um, you know, we're introduced to a very idyllic family. Uh, they're showing they're basically putting up videos on Instagram, showing them, you know, just having fun and, you know, supportive and loving and just, you know, that, that perfect idyllic family. And obviously any of us who've spent any time on the Internet whatsoever knows that when we see a video like that, it's a 100 percent a lie. There is no yeah. way that family. There's no way that family is as happy as these videos are making it out to be, because think about it, folks. If they were really that happy and, you know, that comfortable in each other's um, company, why is she taking time to take videos, edit them and upload them? That That's someone who's trying to portray an image online of I'm an awesome mother and my family is perfect. So, yeah, uh, like I said, that that's a given right from the start. We know there's something fucked up with this family, even though they don't kind of tip their hat right away. But uh, they do right here. Um, in one of the early scenes in the film, the family is like together in the in their living room in their beautiful big house. Maybe not a mansion, but just like a really nice upscale home. And a raven crashes through the window and starts flying around the house. And while it's flying around the house, it's breaking all this crystal and glassware. Eventually, it lands on the chandelier and brings the whole fucking chandelier down. Um, uh, Tinia, who is the daughter, uh, Ma, uh, for, for those who don't know, mom and dad don't actually get character names in this movie. They're just called mother and father in the credits. So Tinia is the daughter. Allie is the creature and mother and father. Oh, and Matthias is the little brother, the little douchebag brother. But I'm not really going to bring him up too much because he's a- almost a pointless character in the film, in all honesty. Who, who weirdly looks like the fucking dad. Yeah, kind of like creepily. Creepily looks like them, exactly. Um, okay, so let's see. Um, Tinia ends up capturing the bird without hurting it. She puts a blanket over it. She catches the raven. Uh, she's about to go take it outside to release it peacefully. Mom asks Tinia, can I see the bird? Tinia hands it over to her mom, and mom Stop. unceremoniously breaks the raven's neck, just cracks it open. Just cracks the neck, uh, hands it back to her daughter, her fucking young, what, like 11 or 12-year-old daughter, hands her back a dead raven and tells her to put it in the compost heap outside. Yeah. So, you know, of course, the daughter is now a little sad. She ends up going to bed, you know, in a little bit of a sad mood. But after she goes to bed, she starts to hear these screeches outside. It almost sounds like the raven from earlier. But there's something off about it. It doesn't quite sound right. So she's thinking, oh, shit, the raven didn't die. Let me go outside and finish it off. So she goes to the compost heap and no bird, no raven. He is gone. Yet she still hears him screaming in the distance. She eventually does find the crow and he is, or excuse me, raven, crow, whatever the fuck you want to call this thing. Um, Brandon Lee. (laughs) Rest in peace, brother. Um, she finds the bird. It's just lying on the ground. It can't walk. It can't fly. How the hell did it get so far away from the compost heap? I'm not going to question that, but, um, yeah, exactly. She ends up uh, killing the bird or putting the bird out of its misery. I should say with a big rock, she ends up smashing its head. And after she kills the bird, she notices that there's an egg in its nest. Um, that's what the bird was protecting. The raven was protecting its uh, egg. She kills the raven, finds the egg, feels guilty that she killed a, a potential mother. So she ends up taking the egg home and keeping it warm herself. And this is where the movie just starts getting insane because within a day or two, uh, this egg starts growing. And because it's, it's a normal size egg when she first gets it, when she first picks it up off the nest. And then literally within a couple of days, it's like the size of it's almost the size of a football. And then after another couple of days, it's I don't know, it's the size of a, like a, a, a radio flyer wagon. It's like even bigger than that, honestly. Um, it basically takes up all the space on her bed at this point. She's sleeping on the floor just to keep the egg warm and safe. 
And, um, you know, we get more scenes in between here of Tinia doing um, gymnastics. You know, as Mike said in the synopsis, she is a gymnast trying to earn her way into this competition that's coming in soon. She's not very good, you know, not nearly as good as the other girls in the class. And, um, you know, mom is very aware of this. So, like I said, the domineering mother that she is, you know, we get multiple scenes of mom kind of pushing her daughter you know, much harder than she should be to the point that, you know, this poor 11-year-old girl looks down at her hands and she's got what I call the mom is killing me blisters on her hands, you know, because her mom is just yeah. making her do gymnastics over and over and over. Um, that Again. gives you a, kind of a good idea of the mom. Uh, more of a good idea of the mom is the fact that she is cheating on her husband with the handyman. Uh, the handyman's name is Taro. And uh, Tinia actually catches them making out at one point but what's funny is mom doesn't even really try to play it off. Mom, mom is basically like, well, you know, I, I like him. He's a nice guy. He makes me feel ways that your father doesn't. And she said adults the, have special friends. Yeah, adults <laughs> have special friends. But the justification for cheating on dad in this movie makes zero sense to me. Um, Tinia asks her mother, well, what about dad? And her, her you know, reason for cheating is well, dad is dad, and you know how dad is. And then she chuckles, and that's it. That's her fucking justification for cheating. It's like, holy shit, she's married to a cuck. Yes, my friends, an actual Finnish cuck. Yeah, he just <laughs> wants to play fucking guitar in his room all day. He's like, fuck that. It, it, yeah, it seems like all he wants to do is play guitar and raise his son. Like, he doesn't have a lot of interest in his daughter unless he's scolding her for something. Um, you know, or, or unless they're making an Instagram video and then it's all love and kisses and blah, blah, blah. But, um, yeah, obviously dad is not as big a factor in Tinia's life. Um, so, like I said, you know, we get Taro, uh, who's the handyman for the family. Mom is cheating with uh, is, you know, kind of screwing him on the side. So that kind of set up uh, mom's kind of arc a little bit with that and kind of what might be coming from mom. Um, and then. We get our titular hatching. You know, basically, one night after Tinia is scolded for, I, I forget what exactly, uh, she's scolded for something. She ends up going back to her room and crying, and we see the tears fall onto the egg, and then we see them up, get absorbed into the egg right through the shell. Like, you know, her tears just disappear. And instantly at that moment, the egg starts to hatch, and we see this just almost demonic looking hand come out like it doesn't really look like the claw of a bird it legitimately looks like almost like the lipstick demon's hand from insidious or something just long <laughs> claws black you know a really just evil looking and then finally and teeny is obviously terrified and she goes and hides in the closet which is really weird because she spent all this time trying to hatch this egg and now that it's hatching she's terrified so eh, i'll forgive the movie it, it, it's an odd choice but okay yeah, yeah, she didn't then, expect that to hatch out of it. <laughs> well, no, I mean, she was hiding before she saw what was coming out. I mean, all yeah. she saw was one nail, one finger come out of the egg, and then she goes and hides in the closet. So, um, For all she knows, she could have been a philosopher after, the way it was growing. <laughs> Maybe. Um, so, like I said, the egg ends up hatching, and we get our big reveal. I mean, we we don't get a full shot of the creature at this point. But as she's hiding in the closet, looking through an opening in the closet door, we see the creature walk right up to the closet door and just start squawking at her. Just basically start squawking, screaming, screeching, whatever you want to go with. Um, they hear mom and dad coming up the stairs because they hear the commotion. And basically, as soon as uh, the creature hears mom and dad coming up the stairs, it literally just leaps out the fucking window, like through the glass, just right out the fucking house. And um, when dad ends up walking into the house, because earlier that day they had a bird or earlier, maybe not that day, uh, time has passed by this point. But since earlier in the movie, a bird had flew, flown through the window, Tinia is really quick to say, oh, a, a bird flew in here, you know, to cover herself. Um, to cover her ass, basically. Um, before Dad comes in the, in, into her room, she does cover all the egg and yolk and shit that's on her bed, you know, after this thing hatched. She throws her comforter over it so Dad doesn't see it. And, you know, that's pretty much the end of that scene. Later that night, uh, that evening, um, Tinia ends up, you know, kind of accepting the, the creature. She ends up naming it Allie, as I mentioned earlier. And she even lets the, the creature sleep under her bed, 
And what happens on this first night is uh, Tini is trying to sleep. Unfortunately, her neighbor, Rieta, Rieta, as she pronounced it, um, her dog is barking, just, you know, barking incessantly. It's keeping her awake. And she's not saying anything verbally, but you could see the look on her face of like anger. Like, you know, I can't sleep because of this stupid dog. And then the camera pans down below the bed and instantly Allie opens her eyes and she, you can kind of see that she senses Tinia's frustration, and instantly she leaves the house. Um, Tinia is not sure why, because uh, her mom walks in the room wondering what all the commotion is, uh, looks under the bed, but luckily the bird is gone. And what is the bird out doing? He is out decapitating the neighbor's dog. Yeah, she unceremoniously decapitates this adorable little dog and then brings the decapitated body back to Tinia, almost like a cat that brings a dead bird home to her owners. It's like a, a, yep. a trophy, <laughs> a trophy. Exactly. So yeah. Um, Allie drops this headless dog's body onto Tinia's uh, dresser and instantly Tinia is like, Oh shit. Like she, she recognizes the dog instantly. She just met him earlier that day. And, um, just doesn't know what to do. She ends up burying the dog in the the house, in the garden behind the house. Unfortunately, little brother, while wearing the white paper mask that's on the movie poster that I fucking love, while wearing the mask, he's staring outside the window, watching his sister bury this dog. So obviously, Teeny is not real good at, uh, you know, looking around before she does something bad because yeah. there's, yeah, there's her little brother. There's Matias looking right out the window. And what does Matias do with that information? Oh, it doesn't take long, my friends. Very next scene, um, we get a scene where Tinia is uh, being, once again, being reprimanded for something. Like I said, poor Tinia is like yelled at and reprimanded multiple times in this movie for shit that should a child should never be reprimanded Yeah, like for. taking too long in the bathroom and shit. Like- yeah. Yeah, that's right. There was a scene where um, Tinia was in the bathroom with Allie giving her a bath, but Matias, uh, it's the middle of the night and Matias has to go to the bathroom. He tries to push his way into the bathroom. Tinia closes and locks the door and says, leave me alone, you know, blah, blah, blah. The next morning she gets reprimanded for that. It's like, well, she wasn't in the fucking bathroom all night. Matias could have just waited. Instead, the little kid pisses his own bed. And and dad is mad at Tinia for this kid pissing his bed. Come on, there's bed, water bottles. Sure pisses, Come on, kid. Yeah, I'm sure he pissed his bed on purpose. I guarantee he pissed his bed on purpose yeah, just so sure. he could get Tinia. And yeah, that's the kind of toxicity family. Like even the the most innocent, um, youngest member of this family is a conniving piece of shit. So yeah, this family. I mean, Tinia. How Tinia ended up in this family is beyond me because she's basically an angel among these fucking evil demons that call themselves her family. Moving on. <laughs> uh, as I said, um, she's being reprimanded for something, and here comes Matthias, literally just carrying the headless dog's body that he just dug up out of the garden, and he just drops it right on the coffee table in the living room in front of the entire family. Um, uh, Matias tries to claim that she killed the dog. Uh, she denies it. I'm not even sure if we get a resolution there, if her mom actually believed that she killed that dog or not, but, um, they end up just resolving it and they put the dog back in the garden. They rebury it back. I think dad does it. I think dad actually reburies it back in the garden. We see him kind of patting the ground down as he's watering the flowers in that area. So, yeah. Um, Obviously, Rieta is looking for her dog and asking for help to get, you know, to find the dog from, you know, people in the neighborhood. Um, The other thing about Rieta is that she's also a gymnast and she's also in the same group of gymnasts with Tinia, who is also in competition to try to get this last available slot in this, you know, big meet that they have coming up. They call it a competition. Um, So so now it's basically a battle between Tinia and Rieta. Tinia has no problem with Rieta. At no point is she mad at her. Is she upset that she's better? Because as it turns out, Rieta is way better at gymnastics than Tinia is. You know, she basically does a move um, on her first try that Tinia couldn't do in multiple tries. And the teacher, um, the instructor, the gymnast instructor, uh, or the coach, 
um, basically makes a comment like, ooh, looks like uh, Tina might have some competition for that final slot. And you see mom's expression just change and turn into this boiling anger where it looked like she literally wanted to slit the coach's throat for even making that comment. Yeah. Um, you know, how dare you disrespect my daughter? <laughs> um, uh, and then the the rest of that scene is uh, basically, this is the scene where we see um, Tinia with all the blisters on her hands because her mother is basically making her work the, um, what is that, the parallel bars? Is that what that's yeah. called? Yeah, they because, are called parallel bars, yeah. Awesome. Um, and I know nothing about gymnastics, folks. <laughs> um, so, you know, Teeny is on the parallel bars and you know that, you know, it, it's it's really damaging to your hands. We see these guys put on a lot of chalk on their hands so that they have they don't have as much friction um, and no sweat, like no sweat coming out of their hands. Well, basically, we see Tina's hands just all tore up and shit. And, you know, mom finally is like, OK, fuck it. Let's go home. You know, we're, we're not going to figure this out today. What ends up happening is on the drive home, uh, Tinia starts having thoughts in her head of like maybe slightly negative thoughts about Rieta. And at that exact moment, we see Allie back at her house instantly react to something that um, Tinia is thinking about. The bird runs out. And what we end up seeing is probably one of the scariest scenes of the movie where this is a, a legitimate like slasher scene where Rieta, apparently Finland is so safe that they let their children walk the streets at night by themselves. I don't know. Because um, this girl's walking home from uh, gym class at night by herself on an isolated road. Like there's no businesses. It's like a country road. Yeah. And literally we get, like like I said, probably the best stalking scene in the movie with um, Allie kind of fucking with her, walking behind her, walking in front of her, you know, doing the, the, the you know, catch me if you can or see me if you can type thing, you know, fucking around with her. And then finally she turns around, um, Rieta that is, turns around and sees Allie in another form. Allie is no longer in her bird form. She's actually starting to look human. She's growing blonde hair. Um, her beak fell off. The giant beak that she had fell off. So her mouth is just exposed. It's just like dangling bits of skin and flesh. And human teeth are exposed. We see that Allie now has human teeth. I, I yeah. love this form. This form is awesome. She kind of reminded me of uh, that Masters of Horror episode, Jennifer. Yes! Oh, my God. Yes! I love Jennifer, by the way. Um, it, but, yeah, you are correct. Uh, I, I didn't see that parallel, but yeah, you're correct. So like I said, uh, there's the scene. Now, luckily, you know, we don't actually see um, Allie a kill or, or, no, or, or attack Rieta, I should say, uh, because Rieta does not die. She actually survives her attack. But what we see in the hospital bed is that one of her hands has been cut off. So now she can't do the parallel bars anymore. I'm thinking, holy shit, th that had to have come from Tinia's head and then transferred into Allie's because why would Allie know that Rieta is a gymnast, you know? Um, but obviously she's got some kind of cosmic connection with her, you know, hatching mother. So, um, yeah. so yeah, so thankfully Rieta does not get killed, but she's all tore up in the hospital and her hand has been cut off. So of course, Tinia gets the spot in the competition. She gets the final open spot. And on the day of the competition, which is a Saturday, mom takes Tinia to Taro's house. I mean, literally, this mom is so open about her cheating that she'll literally tell her husband, oh, I'm, gonna go, I'm going to Taro's house for the weekend. Like, literally, like nonchalantly with a smile on her face, she does this. And I'm just and, and then and then she invites her fucking young daughter to go to her, you know, her side pieces house. I, I, I just I, I do not understand what the motivation of this mom is to expose all of this shitty activity to her daughter at such a young age, because ultimately kids get their idea of love and marriage from their parents. That's the first loving couple that we're exposed to in our lives. And you're basically giving uh, Tinia the idea that fucking around with your husband's okay. If you've got a good excuse, then it's okay. Which, oof, that, that just gave me the creeps, you know. Uh, it's such a cringeworthy family. It's disgusting. Yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, 
Okay, we go to Taro's house. Mom takes Tinia to the to Taro's house. And what we see is that Taro's house is a fixer-upper. It's all beat up. And I like this. I don't know if this was an intentional metaphor, but I kind of like how mom's home life is that beautiful house, the idyllic family that she shows on Instagram. But then on the side, she goes to this old, dirty house to kind of oh, be this younger guy. To fuck, right, to be dirty. And it's I, I like that metaphor because it's like a lot of married women um, aren't real happy, maybe with their sex life. You know, their sex is very vanilla. Their husbands aren't very original, you know, passionate in the bedroom, whatever the case may be. So they become bored and, you know, they kind of look around. And like I said, the way that this family just reacts and, and deals with each other. Oh, wow. It's, it's just it's beyond toxic. Toxic is almost a compliment. For this family, quick, quick, it's fucking. Quick, quick, evil. It's just flat evil. <laughs> quick question: Do you think the mom does? Does the, do you think the mom does anal? Uh, I can almost guarantee it. A housewife yes. who's not, with her sex life at home, she's she's gonna let Taro do whatever the hell he wants. <laughs> I in sure the mud, in the mud too. Oh, probably. Oh, yeah, definitely. Hershey Highway, absolutely. Anyway. <laughs> Um, when mom introduces uh, Tinia to Tara, to Taro for the, you know, officially for the first time, we hear a baby crying. Yes, there's a young baby in this house. And what we see is mom go and pick up the baby and show her to Tinia, basically saying, oh, this is Taro's baby. His wife died. Yeah, I believe that. Um, and, you know, I'm helping him take care of this baby. Uh, by show of hands, does anyone not believe that baby is hers? 100% hers? I mean, it's, it's pretty much a fucking it, it could It could be, you know, but I don't know. It's kind of hard to hide a pregnancy, too. Right, because later that day, later that day when mom is outside doing, like, um, warm-up exercises with uh, Tinia, we can see her being really stern with Tinia, like, really focused on what Tinia is doing. And then literally the baby starts crying and literally mid sentence, mom just turns her back and goes running to the baby. Oh, what's the matter? Are you sad? Like literally she's not ignoring her flesh and blood daughter to go and console this baby that belongs to someone else. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. You'll never convince me of that. That's her fucking child period. True. true. <laughs> so um, later in that day, as mom and Tinia are doing floor exercises, or I should say as mom leaves the house, she ends up having to go to town. So she leaves Tinia alone at Taro's house for a little while. While she's at uh, Taro's house, fucking Allie shows up. Allie actually followed uh, Tinia all the way to this place. Like I said, they've got a cosmic connection here that probably can't be explained. Uh, they end up, uh, uh, you know, Allie or should I say Tinia sees that Allie is there. She's upset with that. You know, she wanted Allie to stay home, not follow her around everywhere. And then she also realizes that if she thinks the wrong thing, Allie is going to act and she's going to react and somebody might get hurt. And it actually almost happens at one point. Um, Tinia is feeding Allie and she's feeding her like a bird. She realizes she buys this big bag of bird seed and tries to feed Allie, you know, directly the seeds, but Allie won't take them. She just turns her head. But then later there's a scene where it, she um, starts eating some of the bird seed and she ends up vomiting. And when she vomits, now Allie is interested in eating. Obviously, for those who know about birds, uh, most um, mother birds will feed their children by regurgitating food in, directly into their throats. So, yeah, um, apparently, you know, Allie has so much just, you know, natural instinct that that's how she thinks she's supposed to eat. So when Tinia finally pukes, now she finally eats. OK. And we also see that Allie is turning more and more human every time we see her. Um, you know, like I said, the beak falls off, uh, the the, uh, the kind of dangling flesh on her mouth every time we see her starts dissipating more and more, forming forming like a set of lips. And, um, you know, so at this point, this is where I start to kind of understand the metaphor of this movie and why I brought up brood parasites earlier. I'll get to that in a, in a second. OK, um, we um, basically while mom and Tinia are at the competition uh, or, or actually before they go to the competition, when Tinia is at the house, she's feeding Allie 
and Taro tries to walk in. He tries to walk in, but Allie is blocking the door. Um, Taro obviously is a full-grown adult. He forces his way into the room, but Allie, uh, but Tinia, the human Tinia, is hiding behind the door. But what Taro sees is basically a doppelganger of Tinia, uh, wearing slightly different clothes and obviously not speaking, eating, you know, this bowl of vomit. And as soon as Allie sees Taro, she goes to attack him. She basically lunges at him. Allie, uh, uh, excuse me, Tinia, standing behind the door, slams the door closed before um, Allie can get to Taro. Unfortunately, Taro's hand is caught in the door jam. Um, he doesn't lose any fingers, but, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't break a bone or two in his hand because his hand was stuck in there for a while. It, you know, what felt like a full minute. I'm sure it was less, but it, it felt like a long time. Um, and then uh, mom shows up to pick up Tinia to go to the competition. And uh, Taro kind of just plays off the hand injury. He just says, oh, I, I hurt myself working, you know, working around the house. Um, and he does this because Tinia expressly asked him not to mention the incident because um, obviously, you know, no one knows about Allie and Taro doesn't know about Allie either. Like I said, Taro thought that Allie was Tinia because they basically look alike. So he starts accusing, uh, you know, Tinia of attacking him. But um, she convinces him that, you know, it, it's just because of the competition, it's nerves, whatever the case may be. And, you know, they just kind of move on. Then mom comes, picks up Tinia. They go to the competition. While at the competition, um, Allie, who is still back at Taro's house, obviously, they're not going to take her with her with them to the competition. Um, she basically hears the baby crying. She hears baby Taro crying. And instantly, I don't know if it's instinct or what, that she looks at this baby as competition for uh, for Tinia. Because she basically goes to actually attack the baby. She um, sneaks her way into the upper levels of Taro's house, right into the baby's room. And she's literally, she literally has her hand inches away from the baby. And then Taro walks in. Um, you know, obviously he thought Allie, or he thought Tinia and the mom had already left to the competition. But here he is looking at Tinia about to attack his kid. Um, uh, Allie basically hisses at him, screeches at him, and then jumps out the window. Taro has no fucking idea what's going on. So, um, and the reason that the, ba uh, part of the reason that um, Allie did not attack the baby is because at the competition, as Tinia is on the parallel bars, she senses, or maybe she even sees it, I'm not sure how it works, but she sees or she knows that uh, Allie is about to attack the baby. Yeah. And what does she do to stop um, to Allie from stopping the baby? She allows herself to fall off the parallel bars and break her arm. Um, I forgot to mention that these two, because of the cosmic connection they have, they also have that thing where when one gets injured, the other one feels it. So I, yeah, I totally it's like a fucked up. Yeah, it's like a fucked up version of ET. <laughs> I'll go with that. <laughs> so, um, so like I said. Um, you know, Allie allows herself, to, uh, her arm to be broken to stop um, Allie. But at the exact same time that she falls off the parallel bars to stop Allie, that's when Taro walks in and Allie ends up running away, blah, blah, blah. Mom and Tinia come back from the competition to Taro's house and Taro is livid. He's absolutely livid. He's like, what the fuck is going on? I thought you took her to the competition. Why did she attack my baby? Blah, blah, blah. Mom doesn't know what's going on because they've been at the competition this whole time. Um, but you could tell that Tinia definitely knows what the hell is going on. And at that point, Taro breaks it off with the mom, basically says, nope, we're done. I am done with you. Uh, but what ends up happening is mom tells Tinia to wait in the car while she goes into the house to try to talk to Taro. And fucking hours go by because the sun goes down. Like the scene started in daylight and then it ends in darkness. So it's so mom, th this is what Hate I mean. sex. Uh, uh, maybe. I mean, considering mom's reaction when she came out, I'm going to say no, <laughs> because mom comes out. And basically looks right at Tinia and says, can't you even allow me to be happy? And then she just starts slamming her fucking head into the steering wheel and screaming at the same time. Slams her head into the steering wheel like three or four times, bloodying up her nose. I don't think she broke her nose, um, but it's, you know, there's blood coming out of it. 
And, you know, she obviously is unhappy with what just happened in the house. They end up going back home. And um, when they go back home, when they walk in the house, um, dad is there, father. And he's like, oh, you're back early. What happened? And he sees that his wife is all bloodied up. At no point does he think, oh, shit, Tara beat the hell out of my wife, which is the first thing I would have thought of. No, instantly he's, you know, she, she just is like, oh, no, nothing, no big deal. It, it's not a problem. Literally just blows it off. And then the husband doesn't ask any follow-up questions. So, yeah, this guy is a cuck in, in fucking theory and, uh, excuse me, figuratively and literally. <laughs> Let's go with that. Um, so then that night, it all comes to a head. This is our final night of the film. Uh, basically, uh, Allie is starting to look just incredibly like Tinia, almost, uh, almost a carbon copy, except for her eyes. Her eyes are still a little jacked up. Uh, not quite bird eyes, but they're still kind of in the transitional stage from bird to human eyes. And uh, this is where uh, basically Allie just starts attacking the family, just starts. She doesn't care anymore. Um, she's sick of Tinia telling her that she has to hide and blah, blah, blah. And basically, we have uh, we have a situation where Allie kicks. Uh, excuse me, other way around. Tinia kicks Allie out of the house, like through the window. But then dad sees Allie outside, you know, just kind of acting all animalistic. And, you know, dad thinks it's Tinia. So he's like, what the hell are you doing? Get back in the house. And um, Allie just lets out a screech and runs away. And, you know, dad is sitting there scratching his head, not knowing what the hell's going on. Uh, we end up going back into the house and um, mom goes into Tinia's room um, to try to comfort her because of the competition and, you know, everything else that's been happening in the family. And she sees Allie. Allie's sitting there. And she she sees Allie in the closet and thinks, oh, my God, what happened? You, your hair looks terrible. I mean, she's not even dressed in the same thing she was dressed in two minutes earlier, but mom doesn't seem to notice. And she starts brushing uh, Allie's hair like it's her fucking daughter and literally but the, the problem is is that her hair is so thick and coarse and dirty that she's just pulling clumps of hair out until eventually she actually pulls a piece of Allie's fucking scalp off like a piece of uh, a large piece of hair with a piece of flesh and blood still connected to it and then we look at the head we look at Allie's head and she's now got a divot in her head that's bleeding out and at that moment, mom is like, you know, she starts kind of freaking out a little bit and Allie attacks. Basically, Allie attacks the mom. Mom doesn't know what the hell's going on. She's like, why am I being attacked by my own daughter? But then Tinia, the real daughter, hears the commotion, joins mom and Allie and walks into the room and see. And then mom sees Tinia, the real Tinia, walk into the room. And then she looks over at the other one, at Allie. And she's thoroughly confused. And Tinia basically admits to her, she's she belongs to me. I hatched her. Um, no follow-up questions from mom, because <laughs> I'd have had like three or four follow-up questions after that, but okay. And at this point, Allie kind of runs away and is hiding somewhere in the house. Mom then goes and informs the rest of the family there's someone in the house. Um, it's not Tinia who's been causing all these issues. It's this person or thing, whatever it is. Dad and Matias, like the little bitches that they are, go hiding in their room while mom and Tinia are left to deal with this fucking monster that's marauding their house. Um, we get uh, basically a final confrontation between Tinia and Allie where they're, you know, Tinia is begging Allie, just leave. You're free. You're just go. I don't want to I don't want you to get hurt. I don't want to kill you. But if you stay here, something bad is going to happen. So she's trying to get her to, out the door. Um, she's reluctant. Allie's reluctant to leave. And then mom walks in the room with a butcher knife in her hand, basically with the decision that we're taking care of this thing right now. Um, I will give mom credit. She's an absolute evil bitch, but at least she's decisive. <laughs> she's decisive. She has a conviction. I will give her that. So <laughs> there's not much I can give that mom, but, you know, I'll, I'll give her that. She's a woman of action, I guess is the best way. Yeah. To um, she grabs a knife. She goes to attack uh, Allie to kill her, and Tinia stops her mother, basically says, no, no, I hatched her. Don't, you know, she's mine. Don't kill her. I just want her to leave. I don't want her to die. Mom obviously kind of understands the situation that Allie's not going to leave unless she's forced to. And mom basically makes one final lunge at 
the creature with the knife in her hand, and Tinia gets in between her mother and Allie, and mom stabs her own daughter in the heart. Right in the fucking heart, too. Not even in a place where she might be injured or something. Nope. Insta-kill. Tinia basically falls down, and what we see is we see her fall on top of Allie's body. Allie, Allie was incapacitated by mom earlier, um, you know, right before this, I mean. And Tinia's dead body falls on top of Allie. When she falls on top of Allie, blood comes out of the wound and into Allie's mouth. Um, also, at this point, I forgot to mention that Allie split her mouth open. Um, yeah. Uh, just a great little effect. Definitely CG, but I... Still think it looked really nice, really effective. Um, so as Tinia's blood is falling into Allie's mouth, she, she basically does the final part of her transformation. Uh, the mouth, uh, the rip on both sides of her mouth, her Joker smile, if you will, um, repairs itself. And then her eyes finally change completely to match Allie. So now she's literally a carbon copy of Allie in every way. And we see mom uh, on the ground crying because she killed, you know, obviously she killed her daughter. We see dad and Matias kind of in the background um, in disbelief of what's going on. And then Allie gets up and says the word mother. And Mm -hmm. when the mother hears this, she actually um, sits up from her crouched position where she was crying. And she lets out this sly little smile and credits. That's our movie, folks. Now, why did I bring up brood parasites earlier? I'm going to try to be as quick as possible with this. For those who don't know, brood parasites are a type of creature that, through deception, get another creature to raise their young. Um, Birds, fish, and insects have been known to do this, but the most famous is going to be a bird, and that's going to be the cuckoo bird. And anyone who saw Vivarium two years ago pretty much should already have the metaphor of this movie in their head because they even spell it out in Vivarium when they actually tell you the actual story of the cuckoo and even show you images of the cuckoo chick pushing its siblings out of the nest. Um, so basically the cuckoo will uh, it'll lay its egg in another bird's nest um, and then leave. Uh, it basically has nothing to do with its child. Um, their child hatches, like the, the cuckoo baby hatches, and then it literally kills all of its siblings in the nest. Um, if you saw Vivarium, you actually saw the shot of the uh, the cuckoo chick literally using its legs and back to push its siblings out of the nest and down to the ground where they obviously are going to die very quickly if they don't instantly. And And then the mother is basically forced to feed this cuckoo bird that doesn't belong to her. And there have been cases, I've seen pictures where the mother is literally, where the cuckoo, the, the, the cuckoo chick is literally three times the size of the mother, but the mother doesn't seem to notice or care. You know, she knows that this hatched out of an egg that was in her nest, so she looks at it as her child, but really it is a child of another creature that has now usurped your nest. And that, to me anyway, is a strong uh, metaphor for this film. Uh, the raven, for whatever reason, maybe, you know, maybe it was because mom snapped the raven's neck and the raven was like, well, fuck this. I'm going to fuck your life up forever for what you did to me. And the movie just kind of goes along from there. So and, and because of that, um, I actually like this movie a lot more than Vivarium. This one had a lot more action and it was a little bit easier to follow. If you guys remember, Vivarium was a little bit of a mind fuck at times. <laughs> and even at the end of the movie, you might not be 100 percent sure what the hell the message of the movie was. Uh, but with this one, at least in my eyes, it's fairly obvious. You know, you've got you've got themes of, um, you know, people portraying themselves as a different person than they actually are. I mean, that's the nature of social media. And um, so, you, I mean, you can make an argument that this movie is a, a kind of a, a holding in the mirror up to social media, how everybody is fake on social media, or at least most of us are. Um, and try to be someone that we're not when we're on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or whatever. So um, whether that's the intention of the filmmaker, I don't know. I'm just saying this is what I'm going with. Like literally as soon as Tinia or excuse me, as soon as Allie says the word mother and the mother looks up and, and releases that little sly grin, because we all know what's going to happen. They're going to get rid of uh, Tinia's body and they're just going to keep Allie and start calling her Tinia. 
and you know nobody will be the wiser this yep. fucking family is evil it is this this family is beyond evil and so there you go folks that is hatching 2022 Ooh. Uh, I tried to get that get through that as fast as we could. Um, I didn't do it any justice. I, I assure you, with the, with that little bit of a walkthrough, I did. I skipped a lot of uh, scenes, maybe not key plot points necessarily, but some cool set pieces here and there. There's beautiful imagery throughout this film. Beautiful cinematography. The score is great. I mean, ultimately, I have very little to complain about with this movie, and you know that's a rare thing for me because I like to complain. So. You know, uh, at the end of this movie, I was 100% on board and ready to watch it again. I wanted to watch it again right away, but it was a theatrical release, and I didn't have the time to watch it a second time. But I have watched it two more times since it hit VOD. And, yeah, I'm going to die on this hill. I, I fucking love this movie. I, I, I can almost guarantee – I mean, unless we get a gluttony of great movies the rest of the year, I can almost guarantee this will be on my top ten at the end of the year. You That's it for me, Mike. <laughs> Michael, yeah, back um, to the I show, do man. like your comparison to Vivarium. It's very much a similar thing going on here, presented in a different way. And I, yeah. I like when movies can remind me of, uh, you know, another movie, but still manage to come off as original. You know, yeah, and yeah. Good, good, good pointing out the cuckoo bird because uh, there was a movie from the '80s called Godson, was kind of had that same concept too. Nice, cool. I'll have to, I'll have to look that up. Because I like stories of, of brood parasites. That's what they're called, brood parasites. Um, like I said, fish, insects, birds. There's multiple species of each that do this, but the most famous, of course, is the cuckoo bird. So, yeah, there you go. If you want to see a disturbing video, yeah, go watch uh, a cuckoo chick killing its siblings. It's not pleasant. <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> um, okay, then I guess we can wrap this episode up. Um, so let's go around and find out where we can hear people and what's going on with their latest. So, Venom, I'll start with you. No More Room in Hell, episode 46, I believe, we're up to records this weekend. Um, we're looking at a couple of Derek's picks, so I'll let him make that announcement if he wants. Um, Creature Comforts, episode number nine, is currently in the can and being edited right now. It should be out before the end of May. Uh, on that one, we looked at uh, Cloverfield, 2008's Cloverfield, and we had another guest, our second guest on the show, Mr. David Garrett Jr., uh, joining us, somebody that I worked with on the summer series for um, the podcast Under the Stairs, really cool guy, and he had a lot of great things to say about Cloverfield on this, so check that episode out when it comes out. And then, uh, I can only assume, fresh cuts, we're doing A24's Men. So prepare yourselves for that one. You only have a few days to prepare since uh, we're going to be putting out two episodes fairly consecutively. So. Oh, yeah, and um, i already seen it, so yeah. Yeah, there you go. And then the one guest spot I did in the last couple of weeks, I just recorded it last night. That was once again with my friend Mr. Bo Ransdell from the Legion Podcast Network. I once again appeared on his show, The Dark Parade. This is now my fourth appearance on the show, and I'm loving it every time I go. This time around, we talked about my favorite universal horror um, movie of all time, and that is The Bride of Frankenstein. So um, that episode's not out yet. Like I said, we just recorded it last night. So I would say look for that sometime next week as you listen to this episode. Um, and that will be on the Legion Podcast Network. That's it for me, Mike. All right, Don, what do you got? All right, so uh, as mentioned, we have Creature Comforts. Um, like I said, should be out pretty soon. Uh, latest episode of uh, Horror Countdown, uh, at least as much as I type this, is a list I did with uh, some filmmaker friends of mine. Um, we looked at our 10 most uh, ridiculous sequels. So, <laughs> yeah, nice. it was... A yeah, we had a lot of fun with that one. So. Quick, quick question: Was Bud the Chud on anybody's list? <laughs> I Bud think honorable it. mention, but I don't think it ever came up as like a, an actual choice. Because it's better than Chud One. Because mm. it has an awesome theme song, Bud the Chud. Bud the <laughs> Chud. Mm. Yeah. I, I, you'll have to recuse myself on that commentary, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, other than that, uh, don't have much else out, so uh, that's it for me. All right, Derek, tell us where we can hear you. 
Do you hear me on fucking cinema attack? <laughs> fucking no more room in hell where we're going to talk about some crazy fucked up 2000 movies cut and drive through. Horny the clown for the fucking win, motherfuckers. <laughs> you know, our guest spot on cinema beef where we talked about for your consideration spoilers. That movie sucks. And Ooh. also we talked about mascots, which I had fun with the fist for life. I also guest starred on The Dark Parade. We recorded an episode on The Invisible Man. Don't know when that's being released. That's a little spoiler there for that. But we also, I guessed with Duncan McLeish, who did another episode where we were taking a journey through Gamera, where we looked at Gamera versus Jaeger, a.k.a. Fantastic Voyage, or as we call it, the Rape Revenge Gamera movie. <laughs> and then we also... I guessed it with Duncan on Chronicle, where I looked at 1972's Italian slash Spanish horror classic, The Night of the Devils. That's about it, but I have one more thing to say before I go, Michael. Rest in <laughs> peace. That was actually not bad. <laughs> um. <laughs> What do I got? Just no more room in hell coming out. I got. You got that's something. I got. I got news on something. You, that you I got cheese on your beard. Yeah, <laughs> I got. Uh, I got something today. I'm not even really at liberty to discuss yet, so uh, I shouldn't even say that much. You got. You got a kidney stone. Uh, I'd probably be mentioning that as an agonizing pain. Yeah, I think uh, we know. <laughs> yeah, that's why he's been quiet. He's been mute the whole time. He's funny, been... funny enough. One time on an old episode of Theme Warriors, I think this was pre-Venom era, um, we had to stop a show because Doug Tilly had. Well, he was passing a kidney stone. <laughs> that was yeah, that wild, to me wild actually days. on Horrorcast too. Uh, we were actually it was during one of our best of the year episodes. I think it was best of 2019. Literally halfway through the list. Um, we had to stop the show because I was having um, I had been fighting the flu for the last couple of days. And I literally was like so lightheaded. I, th I thought I was going to pass out. So I kind of made them stop. <laughs> hey, you know, health, health takes priority over everything. So, yeah, I feel you there. Alrighty. Well, um, our next episode is going to be on A24's Men. And I'll go yeah, see it again this weekend. <laughs> yep, it'll be recording soon. So, like I said, there's going to be a lot of uh, episodes in the next few days. So, and then Friday, the return of Cronenberg. Oh, yes. crimes of the future. Yes, I so can't excited. wait. <laughs> I, I should curb my excitement, but it's Cronenberg, and he's never disappointed me. So, I don't know. I kind of, I, I kind of jerked off when I saw the theater when I went to go see Man. I was yeah, the only one in the theater. Oh, really? Oh man, my theater was packed. I think they like A24 in L.A. a lot. <laughs> well, I went at, like, noon, too. Maybe that's why. Gotcha. All right. I think Mike's got to get out of here. Fuck Mike. He I mean, that's, that's what I say, too. But, you know, he, he is the uh, he's the man on the on the magic button. So. <laughs> well, he could, he could leave, and we could just roast him after. <laughs> Michael loves when I guest on this show. Yes, yes. I, I'm sure he loves it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll be back. I, I usually say in a week's time, but actually in a pan full of days uh, time and get another episode out. So if you're listening to this, another episode is not very far off. So with that said, thanks to everybody for listening. Let's say goodnight to the listeners. It looks like a battleship. That, didn't the bird look like the giant claw at one point? <laughs> yes, giant claw. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, have a good night, folks. Beware of evil turkeys. Later. Gobble, gobble, motherfucker. <laughs> Peace.